Hello, this is Pastor Galen from the First Nazarene Church in Chicago, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, before we hear the message today, I simply wanted to say that no matter where you're at, we're glad that you're listening today. We hope this message will inspire you, instruct you, and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you live in the Chicagoland area, maybe this is the first step for you joining us in person sometime. Or if you want to, you can always check out our online live services every Sunday on our website at firstnaz.cc. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Hello, everyone. You won't be quiet for very long listening to me. Don't worry. Welcome to all the kids this morning. How are you guys doing today? Good. Oh, I heard it. There we go. See? All right, if you don't know me, my name is Hunter. I'm the children's pastor here, and normally I am telling stories to kids. I tell stories of what God has done and what God wants to do in their life, and it is the joy of my life. And every once in a while, they give me the privilege to come speak to you this morning. And whether it's your first time here or you've been here longer than I've been alive, I am glad you are here. You don't know how long it is. I I could be older. And with the kids, there's this this tradition, this ritual that we do every Sunday, and we always begin our service the exact same way. And I would bet if I asked one of the elementary kids to shout it out, how do we begin every Sunday? We light the candle. That is exactly right. You'll notice I have a candle here this morning. I brought a prop. And this candle is significant. It is not just something we do. It's not just a meaningless tradition or ritual we've forgotten the meaning of. We remind ourselves what it means every Sunday. As we light the candle, it's a reminder of the fact that God is here with us. You might find some symbolism as I light it this morning to begin with the star behind me, a light that showed the world that Jesus had come to earth. And similarly to that, we light a candle as a reminder of the fact that when we gather, it's not just us here. It's not just me and you and and the kids in the building. In fact, God himself is here with us. And I think it comes with expectation, not that you would just come to experience me talking to you, as fun as some of you, as, as, as much as some of you may enjoy that, but the fact that God is here and he wants to speak to you as well. And I ask and I pray and I hope that you have come with an open heart and an open mind this morning as we begin with the reminder that God is here with us. With that being said, I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas. The holiday season is always fun. I don't know how many of you went out of town or traveled, and I, I know I did, and it was, it was a wonderful time, and I think I'm most excited, and I know my wife will be most excited for the fact that it's finally snowing after Christmas. Um, hope you were dreaming of a white New Year, um, because the snow is here, and I, I'm super excited for it. Um, New Year's is always a fun, interesting time. It's always a time of New Year's resolutions and renewal. For some reason, most of us will go to sleep tonight with the expectation that tomorrow we're going to be a brand new person. We're going to wake up, we're going to work out six days a week, we're going to go to bed early, we're going to read 20 books this week. We think we're going to change our whole life in one night, so I hope you get good sleep tonight because it's going to be a transformational one, that's for sure. Um, and if, if, if you're anything like me, by the time Valentine's Day will roll around in, in February, uh, you'll forget that New Year's even happened or that you ever had a resolution, um, and you may have made it to the gym one time like me. Um, but this year, I want to do things a little bit differently. 
Instead of looking ahead to 2024 this year, as we begin this morning, I want you to imagine with me and think ahead to 2034. Now, you may be thinking that number sounds so far away as to not even exist, and you might be right, but it comes out of this quote that Pastor Galen has quoted a few times on stage, and I think every other meeting I've had with him this year, and it's really, really good. It's that people tend to overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in 10. And I think as we talk about New Year's, this is a great time to come back to this idea. So often we can look at this next year and we can think I'm going to be so much different this year. And we can underestimate how the little things we do daily can affect how we might be different in 10 years. And specifically this morning, how our world might be different if we thought in terms of the next decade instead of the terms of the next year. And to do this this morning and talk about this idea, I want to hone in on one of my favorite people in the Bible, a little someone named now, if you're new here or you're not sure who Paul is, I'm going to give you a quick rundown. Paul is considered the most effective missionary ever to exist. He single-handedly spreads the church from its little place in Israel to all across the globe. And most of the New Testament of our Bible, the back quarter, third of it, is written by him. He is awesome, and he exemplifies this idea of what we can do in a, over the long term very well. But the thing is about Paul, his story didn't start by being a missionary. In fact, when he, when he first started out, he hated the Christians. See, he was Jewish, and to them, it was blasphemy. It was not okay, against the rules, get it out of here, that Jesus would come and be the Son of God. They would have considered that insulting, ridiculous. And it was Paul's mission in life to get rid of the Christian faith. So he would go from town to town, house to house, church to church, door to door, and he would find out if you were a Christian and he would arrest you or worse. In fact, he was so good at this, they kept promoting him up in his job of Pharisee. And people knew that when Paul came to town, you needed to be careful. He was that effective at his mission of silencing this early church and these Christians that had popped up. That is, until one day when Paul's on his way to a new town to do the same thing he's always done, and he has an encounter that changes his life. He meets Jesus, the one that he didn't believe was real, that he didn't believe was the Son of God, that changes his entire life. And he realizes that the one that he has been persecuting, the one that he has been hunting down trying to silence, is in fact the true God, and that he has a different plan for Paul's life. This drastically changes Paul's life. And he gets so changed by this, and he is so excited about meeting this Jesus that he can't help but keep it inside. And so he, after pondering this and, and building his relationship with God and growing, he realizes that he needs to tell just about everyone he knows. And so he does. He travels from town to town to town, and he gets up in the town square, and he gets up on a stage, or he goes to your house, or he finds you in the supermarket, or he, or he stops you in the middle of the intersection, and he says, have you heard about this guy named Named Jesus. He's the Savior, the Messiah we've all been waiting for, and he has a plan for your life and loves you. 
And Paul goes person to person, and people become changed. They start to follow Jesus over and over and over again. And in fact, he goes even farther. He goes farther out to all the towns in in Israel, telling the Jewish people about this Jesus that was the Messiah. And eventually this early church realizes that this good news of Jesus is not just for them, but for the whole world. And Paul's journey takes him even farther. He goes to different towns, towns many of them had never been before, to tell these people in the Roman Empire about this Jesus that could save them. And it's quite a significant journey. To put this in perspective on how far Paul ends up traveling, I want to take you through a little bit of an analogy here. Now, we just had the Christmas story. We just told the story of Mary and Joseph and of baby Jesus. And in that story, early on, Mary and Joseph have to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It is the journey they must travel before Jesus is born. And if you look at that journey, it would have taken them about four days to walk. Remember, there's no cars at this point. There's no planes, just them, their feet, and a lot of hours ahead of them. And it would have taken them about four days to walk, which you think, not so bad, but not great. I don't know if I'd want to walk for four days. Um, But let's say a different idea. Let's say a couple towns you may recognize from some stories in the Bible. If you take Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, and Jerusalem, the main city in Israel, the distance between them, about five miles. If you're wondering how far that is, that is not even as long as Bell Road is, right out here. If you can imagine walking from one end to the other, not that bad at all. Um, And even Jesus himself would walk around to these towns. It was all fairly close. I mean, sometimes Jesus would travel up to 100 miles away, which is is a significant distance if you can imagine walking to Chicago and then back and then to Chicago again um, and, you know, touching the bean on your way there. Um, Paul, however, changes this entirely. He goes upwards of 1,500 miles away, 10, 12, 15 times as much. That is um, not even as, that's farther away than Disney is in case you're wondering, and you may be thinking Disney's not that far. I've been there this year or been there in my life. I want you to imagine packing up your whole family, packing all the suitcases, getting excited, and then walking there. It might take you a while. Paul's vision, his excitement for sharing this news about Jesus takes him everywhere. He visits towns like Antioch and Ephesus and main cities in different regions of this Roman Empire that they all live in. And it's incredible. And it gets longer and longer as Paul's eyes get opened as he goes, everyone needs to know about this Jesus. Who can I tell next? And he goes to a town and he People start to follow Jesus, and he starts a church there, and he appoints a leader of that church, and then he goes away, and he he does it again at the next town, and the next town, and the next town, and then he writes them letters back to say, how are you doing? Keep up the faith. Do a good job. I'm proud of you for what you're doing. All these kinds of things. And it's in one of these journeys that I want to stop in for a minute, because it's here that Paul says something significant, although it may not seem that way. He's in Ephesus, one of the churches, one of the towns, and he mentions something in Acts 19.21 that I want us to take a look at here. He says, Afterward, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia and Achaia before going back to Jerusalem. At this point, he's very far from Jerusalem, and he knows he wants to go back. And then he says this a little bit at the end. After that, he says, I must go on to Rome. He wants to go to Rome. Now, For what I've told you of Paul's journey and what we understand, that may not have felt like a weird comment for Paul to make. In fact, he'd been to many cities before, traveling farther and farther and farther away to all these different 
people, and I can only imagine that the companions Paul was with simply assumed that Paul wanted to start a church in Rome. That was not weird. That was pretty normal. However, I want to hone in on this. Because in Paul's mind, what he's thinking, his real idea, what he really wants to do is something so much bigger than that. When Paul says he wants to go to Rome, he doesn't mean he wants to go start a church in Rome, although he will. He doesn't mean he doesn't want to get up and do his normal thing of convincing people to follow Jesus and telling them about Jesus, although he will. No, Paul has looked at the world around him, all the places that he's traveled, and went, not, what if not just the Jews, not just the people in these towns could know Jesus, not just these churches, but what if the entire Roman Empire knew Jesus? Or in other words, what if the entire world knew? Paul's idea is to gain an audience with the Caesar of Rome, the emperor of Rome, the most powerful person on earth. And his idea is to go, if I can convince that person to follow Jesus, I bet we could really get this thing started. And the whole world might know who Jesus is. If we can change the Roman Empire to be something that follows Jesus, the whole world could know. And he doesn't get this idea of telling the whole world out of nowhere. In fact, it comes from my favorite verse in the Bible, earlier in Acts. It's when Jesus is talking to his disciples right before he gets raised back to heaven. And he says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. Paul has taken this idea literally. He goes, how do we tell the whole world about who Jesus is? And in his mind, the best way to do that is to start with the emperor of Rome, a man with vast influence and ability to affect the entire world as they knew it. His vision is huge, and his idea is massive. He ends up traveling thousands of miles to the heart of the empire in an attempt to gain an audience with the most important person in the world to hopefully convince this person to follow Jesus to change the Roman Empire as he knew it. And it all began with Paul in his mind asking himself one simple question. What if this world could be different? And that's the question that I want to ask you today. I think it's the job of a Christian to imagine our world differently. To follow in Paul's footsteps and his example, and to take a look around us and go, what if it doesn't like this? What if our family, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors were different? What if the places we went to were different? What if the way we acted was different? What if our world was different. However, this doesn't happen in an instant. Paul doesn't get to Rome quickly. He doesn't buy his plane ticket and fly there. In fact, it takes years before he gets there. And an emperor of Rome doesn't become a Christian overnight. In fact, it, it takes about 400 more years before a Caesar of Rome decides to follow Jesus. Paul's vision is big. And he's dreaming with the command of Jesus in mind, to the ends of the earth. But it is what he does with this vision that I want us to focus in on this morning. 
Dreaming a big dream is great and important and essential. And Paul's dream, you can tell, is world-sized huge. And I think we should all dream big dreams to look around and go, what if this world could be different? But it isn't the only step that Paul takes. See, too often we can get stuck in the dreaming phase. We can get stuck imagining the world a different future. We can, for, we, we, we can get stuck imagining us to be different, our families to be different, our world to be different, and we can forget to actually take any steps to make that happen. I heard of this, of this reality recently with someone I was talking to where uh, people sometimes, like, think about a New Year's resolution. Sometimes in the, in the dreaming, in the planning, in the idea of what you want to change, it can fill you with such excitement and joy and get you so amped up and ready to go that you forget to actually do anything about all those ideas you had. You're, you're so stuck here, you go, ah, oh, I feel great. Well, I had this idea to go work out this year, and that made me feel so good. And then you forget to actually ever go to the gym. And that's why, like me, although I may say I want to work out five times uh, a week, I've never actually been to the gym this year, and I may not go again this year. Something my wife can attest to. No matter how big my dream is, if I never actually take the step, it doesn't really matter. And it's important to take these steps and not get stuck in the dream, because sometimes we can get stuck in the dream too much, and we can forget to ever take a step. And these steps don't have to be big. In fact, the most important steps we take are the consistent, regular steps that we take every day. Paul's dream is for the entire world to know who Jesus is. The entire world. He gets there by interacting with the person right in front of him at all times, modeling who Jesus is, telling everyone who meets, he meets, and being Christ-like in the everyday interactions. It isn't an overnight project or even a year-long project for him. It is a lifetime of daily consistency by Paul that ends with him impacting millions and letting God do the rest. Paul doesn't worry about how he's going to talk to the entire world. He focuses on who he's talking to in this moment. The person right in front of him, who he has influence on, who he can impact around him. It's the small, everyday moments that count the most. See, every year on New Year's, we all make resolutions for this next year. And like I said in the beginning, I don't want you to think about 2024. I want you to think about 2034. I want you to think 10 years ahead, the change that could happen. What could be different in the world around you? I want you to look around at the people around you and ask yourself how their life or their world or their eternity could be different in a decade. How could Jesus change their heart using you if you spent the next 10 years investing in them? How could your family wounds heal with a decade of effort and time in all of the little moments? Who are the people who could know Jesus in brand new ways because we spent years investing in them? More importantly, what can you do this year that can begin to have an effect? Today, I want you to think about your life differently. I want you to imagine how you treat others differently. Imagine how you act, how you spend your money, how your family is differently. I think it's our job as a Christ follower to look around at the world around us and to go, it doesn't have to be this way, and to take small, consistent steps to model something different. For Paul, he approaches every interaction he has this way. 
He imagines that their future, that their life, that their eternity could be different. He also exemplifies the truth of the quote that I said earlier this morning. People tend to overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in ten. Paul isn't focused on how much he can get done in one year, but how much he can get done over his lifetime. He understands that it isn't something quick and easy, but instead consistency over time. As I said before, from the moment that Paul states that he wants to go to Rome, it's a few years before he gets there. And it's four centuries later before a Roman emperor decides to follow Jesus. And a couple thousand years later today, we are still sending missionaries to remote parts of the world to tell them about this Jesus that can save them. It takes a while. And it takes us in our everyday consistent moments to make that change happen. It doesn't happen in a year or even a lifetime, but instead through each and every moment we have together. The world hasn't heard about Jesus because Paul screamed it on the streets of Rome until enough people heard him. Paul talked to person after person, modeling what Jesus was like, explaining him, and letting Jesus do the work only he could do. And millions of people after him have approached their life the same way. To put this in a different perspective, your coworker, your neighbor, your family member may not come to know Jesus this year, but they may look at your relationship with them in 10 years and realize that they have come to know who Jesus is through you, through the way you treated them, through the ways you prayed for them, supported them, treated them, and helped them and loved them. The families and the community around us may not come and experience Jesus in this building this year. But they will feel the effect of a church that has always loved and accepted them with open arms, showing that Jesus cares about them through the way that we care about them. Your broken family may not heal in 2024, but look ahead to 2034 and take each and every moment you get to love them and see what God can do. The change that God can make in this world isn't a viral social media post, but instead one of constant stable impact that we have in each and every moment. We show who Jesus is through who we are. Not in the loud moments or the big ones or the posts on social media or even from the sermons on stage, but through every little moment that we have. How we act, how we treat others and love the world around us. This year, I don't want you to make New Year's resolutions for 2024. I want you to examine your own life and every little moment you have and ask yourself what kind of impact you're going to have in 2034. Is that going to be a positive one or a negative one in the people around you? In the little moments that you have with the people in your life and your sphere of influence that you can impact, what kind of impact is your daily life going to have on them in 10 years? As the band plays to end today, I want you to ask yourself, who can you be this year in each and every little moment that communicates the love of God to the people around you? How can you act and who can you influence that can have an eternal impact over time? How can you be extra patient in the drive-thru or tip above and beyond at the restaurant or lay down your preference with family or spend a little more time with your kids or be nice and caring to a coworker? How can you be different in little ways and imagine a different world through who you are each and every moment? How can you look at the people in your life and imagine their future differently and work in every moment you have toward that goal? 
how can we have the same imagination that Paul had to see people differently, to see the vision of a world of a people and of each person in our life changed for Jesus? Or to put it one more way, how can you take advantage of every little moment now to have a world-sized impact later? And thanks again for joining us for the first NAS podcast. If you're interested in what your next step in growing your relationship with God might look like, I'd encourage you to visit us at firstnaz.cc slash engage, or you can download our app from the app store, First Nazarene Church. And there you can let us know if you've made a decision for Jesus, or you can also find practical resources to help you grow closer to Jesus. I'd also invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already to make sure that you've always got the latest content. And if you want to, feel free to share this on your social accounts. You never know who else might need to hear today's message as well. Well, thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.